Well, I want to talk to you guys tonight about a message that I've titled, The Way. Can everybody say, The Way? The Way. You might be familiar with this scripture verse. It's John chapter 14, verse 6. It says this, that Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, right? And we know this to be true about Jesus, that he is the life. Has anybody found life in your relationship with Jesus? Come on, wave at me. I know I'm making your arms go up and down, but it's okay. If you found life with your relationship with Jesus, yeah, like we know Jesus is life. Does anybody, has anybody experienced the truth of Jesus? You experienced the truth of Jesus? Man, we know that his word is truth. There's no debating. Even if Jesus tried to lie, he wouldn't be able to because all of creation would adjust itself to accommodate what Jesus just said. It's found in the book of Genesis. This happens where God says this, let there be light. That was a lie. There was no light. And at his word, everything adjusted itself to be what God had said it to be. He is the truth. He doesn't just speak truth. He is truth, right? And we understand this. But, but we oftentimes fail to realize that Jesus is also the way. And I don't mean this because I, I think we understand this, that Jesus is the way to heaven. He's the only way to the Father, that we can't get to heaven without Jesus. We can't access the Father without Jesus, right? But, but hear me out here. He's not just your ticket to heaven. He is also your blueprint here on earth. Not only is he the way to get to heaven, he is the way that you and I should live. You and I should look at the life of Jesus and we should not only believe the truth, we should not only receive the life, but we should conduct ourselves the way he conducted himself. This is a key piece that I think a lot of Christians miss because we, 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 like disassociate time and we say, man, Jesus lived 2,000 years ago. I'm now, so, so his way of life is I'm unaffected by the way that he lived. We live in different times. No, 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 don't discount that because the way Jesus lived was for us. Jesus, like, Jesus didn't just come here to die. He didn't just come here to die. Otherwise, he would have just floated down on the cloud, died, and floated right back up. But no, he lived 33 years here on this earth to do so many things outside of die on the cross. And one of those things was to show us, you and me, how to live our life. How to do this. How to live not just a good Christian life, but the best life that, that God has in store for us. And so tonight we're going to talk about the way of Jesus. And here's the idea. If you're taking notes, you can jot this down or you can probably just take a picture of the screen. It says this, following Jesus means living the way that he lived. It's not enough just to believe in his truth. It's not enough just to believe the Bible. It's not enough just to know that he's the life, but you and I have to adjust our life, like fix our life to look like his life looked. He's the way. Come on, let's pray and invite the Holy Spirit to lead us. Holy Spirit, we thank you so much for who you are. We just bless and honor you in this moment. We ask that you would just bring the spirit of wisdom and revelation into this room according to your word in Ephesians 1.17, that you would bring the spirit of wisdom and revelation to rest upon us, that we would leave this place differently than the way we came in, that we can see you clear tonight, Jesus. Help us to live not just believing in truth, but also living the way that you lived. In your name I pray. Everyone said... There's three things I want to show you, and there's probably a million things that you can pick up when you read your Bible this way, but there's three things I want to show you tonight about the way that Jesus 
lived. And I want to encourage you, as you go back and look at the life of Jesus and you read your word, don't just highlight the, the good things that he says, right? When he said, drop, you know, Jesus was full of one-liners. When he drops one of those one-liners, don't just highlight it. That's truth and that's good, but look at the way that he lived. Look at his relationships. Look how, look how he conducted himself in, in, with, in rooms where people didn't like him. Look how he conducted himself in, in different, different scenarios. Watch and be observant of the way that he lived. But tonight I'm going to share with you three things. The first thing is this, pace. Everyone say pace. Pace, not peace. It's not a typo, okay? It's pace. We're talking about pace. You know, a couple weeks ago I was sitting on my front porch and I was uh, with my family, Riley and Judah and Jackson were all playing in the grass. My wife was sitting next to me. I had like, I think I had some sort of food, I can't remember, but I was eating and it was like just the perfect moment. Has anybody had like those just perfect moments before? You know, you're like, no one disturbed this. You gotta turn your phone off. Like this is just the perfect moment. And I sat back and I was just like, I took a deep breath and I was so grateful for just the peace in my life at that moment. And then something crazy happened. I was filled with anxiety. I like had a panic attack sitting on my front porch. Do you know why? Because I thought to myself, I have a million things that I need to do. I can't just sit here on my front porch. I gotta get to work. Does anybody have a to-do list that's longer than, the taller than me, right? We, we have so many things to do that we, we beat ourselves up sometimes for taking a break. Or we feel guilty and we say, oh, I can't, I can't do this. I got to go paint the bathroom. I got to go do this. I got to go pick up the kids. I got to go do that. And our lives look so chaotic all the time. There's no rest, no peace, no nothing. It's just go, 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 go. I want to tell you something tonight that might, you might not be okay with, with me touching this area of your life, but I promise if you let God into this area of your life, you'll experience peace like you've never experienced before. So just hear me in the next few minutes, okay? This is what Luke chapter 19 says in uh, verse five through seven. This is a story of when Jesus meets um, Zacchaeus and it says this, and when he came to the place, he looked up and he saw Zacchaeus him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down for today I must stay at your house. Next verse says, so he made haste and came down and received him joyfully but when they saw it, they all complained, saying, he has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Now, I, there's nothing specific that we're going to look, look at it in this story. But what I do want you to understand is that Jesus often did this. He did this all the time. Like the majority of stories that we read about Jesus surround Jesus sitting at a dinner table with his friends. Or Jesus sitting at a dinner table with somebody who invited him over. Like the majority of times that we see Jesus interacting in the documentation of, of Jesus in the Bible is him relaxing with the people that he loved. And here's what I want to tell you today. The pace at which you live your life is too fast. You're moving too fast. You're trying to do too many things too quickly. And what happens oftentimes is you and I find ourselves in a whirlwind of anxiety, of worry, of being unsettled, not being able to sleep, with health issues, with all sorts of different things going on because we're trying to live at a different pace than Jesus lived. Jesus was, he moved slowly. You know, I don't, you know, where's Pastor Skip at? I saw him earlier. Pastor Skip or anybody in here, correct me if I'm wrong, okay? But I don't, I have never seen in the Bible Jesus running. Has anybody ever read an account where Jesus was running, even jogging, even power walking? 
No, every single time we read about Jesus, he is walking. He is relaxing, like he's never in a hurry. Like Pastor Marlon said this not too long ago, even Jesus, Jesus didn't even run on the water. Even when he was walking on the water, he was just walking with his, to his friends on the boat. Like this is how we see Jesus 24-7. But you and I, we don't live this way. Come on, let's be honest. We run all the time. Whether it's running to the store or running to get that or trying to do this or trying to meet with 20 different people in a day and we have so many things going on. We get home and then we binge watch Netflix for 20 hours just to decompress. And then we wonder why we're tired, exhausted. We're wondering why our gut is in a, is in a knot. We're wondering why we, we can't get any sleep. We're wondering why we have all of these issues. And what you and I do is we pray that God would give us peace. God, give me peace. My life is crazy. I need the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. But we refuse to live the way that Jesus lived. Like, watch this. This is mind-blowing. In John chapter 11, it says this in, in verses 5 through 7. It says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he ran to where he was. It's not what the Bible says. He heard one of his best friends was sick, and the Bible says that he stayed two more days in the place where he was. That doesn't even make sense. He heard that his best friend was on the verge of death, and Jesus relaxed for another 48 hours. We would be wherever that person was within the next 10 minutes, right? Let, listen, I'm not telling you to not check on your loved ones when they're sick, but what I am telling you is this, is that Jesus did not allow the chaotic nature of life to affect him. Jesus didn't allow, and some people in the room need to hear this, Jesus did not allow other people's emergencies to become his emergency. Too often we take on other people's issues and problems and emergency, and we allow it to raise the anxiety level in our own life. Jesus didn't do that. Even in life's most difficult moments, we find Jesus at perfect peace. The boat was getting ready to tip over. The disciples were anxious, freaking out. Where was Jesus? Sleeping. This wasn't a one-off story. This is every single time we see Jesus, he's moving slowly. Every time. And do you know what that means for you and I? It means this. We need to start learning how to say no to things. You need... Maybe more importantly, you need to start learning how to say no to yourself. You need to teach yourself, and we're learning about this in this discipleship class, to turn everything off, to sit there, don't say anything, don't, don't do anything, but just sit there and be with Jesus. To move at a slow pace. Because here's, here's the reality. We want Jesus to give us peace and rest. That's the truth of Jesus, right? The truth of Jesus is that he's gonna give us peace that surpasses all understanding. But we refuse to protect it the way he did. That is as foolish of a request as the request I made to Jesus a few years ago when my stomach was in knots and I was asking Jesus to heal my stomach but yet I didn't wanna change my diet. And I couldn't steward the healing of Jesus well because I was putting garbage into my life. This is the same thing that we do. We get so anxious, so restless, so busy with life, we ask him to bring us peace, but, but we don't live the way that he lived. We refuse to slow down in order to protect our peace. And Jesus is saying this, even if I gave you peace, it would be gone tomorrow. 
even if I gave you peace right now, you would lose it tomorrow because your life does not look like the way he lived his life. You know, just the other day I was on a walk and I've been trying to even do this and slow down a little bit and take a walk. And I realized something that I was almost running on this walk. I don't know what it was, but I think I was just feeling a little anxious or a little worried. And I'm telling you, I want to demonstrate it because I want to show you guys how fast I was walking. I was walking so fast. I was literally like this. I was like out of breath. It was ridiculous. And I, and I heard the Lord say this to me. I was praying, you know, I was praying in tongues. I was like really trying to connect with Jesus. And I heard the Lord literally say this to me, Dominic, slow down, slow down. And I was like, oh yeah, I didn't even realize that I was running. We're so used to this. We don't even realize how busy we are. And I began to walk and I'm, I kid you not, as I began to slow down physically, I, got, I felt myself get closer to the Lord. I felt his presence like I didn't feel just a moment ago. So I want to encourage you, slow down. Slow down. Don't feel guilty. Like, like the, Jesus says this, that the Sabbath wasn't made for man, but no, man wasn't made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. The Sabbath is a gift to you and to me to rest, to relax. And you have to protect that. You have to guard that. If you and I want peace, if you want peace in your life, if you don't want to live anxious and worried and concerned about the things that are going on, you have to slow down. It's the only way. That's the way that Jesus did it. So that's the first thing we have to understand, the pace of Jesus. I really want to encourage you to get into that because I'm telling you, it's changed my life and a lot of other people's lives um, in the room, and, and it's, it'll really do wonders for you, I feel like, in multiple areas, not just your anxiety, but in your health, your physical health. You know, a lot, I'm, not, I'm, I'm spending time on this, but I think it's important. A lot of the physical things that we deal with come from food and stress. And do you know why we don't eat good? It's because we don't have any time. And so we go through the drive-thru and we eat terribly and we wonder why we don't feel good. And then we're stressed because we have so much going on. And if you were just to slow down, your physical health would improve so much. If you'd slow down and cook a good meal for yourself, slow down and not cause yourself so much stress and anxiety, you're going to find that physically you feel so good. It's just, it's just amazing, right? It's like Jesus knew what he was doing when he was on the earth. It's crazy. Here's the second thing that Jesus did. Prayer. Everyone say prayer. 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 I, want you to, I want you to watch this because this is, this is really, really crucial. In Habakkuk chapter 2, Habakkuk says this, I stand my watch and I set myself on the rampart. And I watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. If you know anything about the prophets in the Old Testament, they were sent by God to correct the children of Israel, to warn them, to preach to them. So many times we see these prophets pronouncing judgment. We see these prophets giving warnings, doing all of these things kind of as an external person to the people of God. But what I found really interesting was in this verse, Habakkuk doesn't say, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to the children of Israel. He doesn't say that. He says, I'm going to pay attention to what the Lord says to me. And, and here, here's what I want us to understand. When it comes to our prayer life, when it comes to the prayer life that Jesus lived, he built such strength because his focus and attention wasn't on other people. It was on him the majority of the time. And you might tell me I'm wrong, but I promise you I'm not wrong. How many times has the Bible said Jesus withdrew to pray? Jesus did ministry for three years, guys. Three years. He lived on this earth for 30 years and no one knew who he was. 
He was building a life for himself that no one will ever know, no one will ever see. We don't get the details of those things. And here's what I wanna tell you tonight. If you are going to survive in this Christian life, you need to have a prayer life. You need to have a life separate from every single eye that is watching. You need to have the majority of your relationship with God outside of this room. You can't let this be 100% of your encounter with the Lord. You can't. You can't even share it with those closest with you. You need to have an intimate relationship with the Lord. I want to. I want to show. I want to kind of show you how this works. So, um, I read this book called *The Hidden Place*, and you can look it up. It was an amazing book. Read it years ago. Um, but the author goes into talking about um, how icebergs are indestructible. Has anybody heard this? Icebergs are indestructible. You know, the Titanic sunk in the northern Atlantic Sea, and, and they, it sunk because they didn't know back then what we know now about icebergs. See, we, what we know now about icebergs is that what you see on the surface of the water is only 10% of its total mass. That's only a fraction of how big that iceberg really is. And so scientists say they're so dangerous, they're so indestructible because you don't know what is it, what it looks like under there. It could be wide, it could be deep. It's just the majority of its strength is hidden. You can't see it. And this is the almost to exact, the exact math. This is the way that Jesus lived his life on this earth. Jesus lived 30 years and we see three years of his entire life. He lived 90% of who Jesus was. We have no privilege of knowing. Outside of his account at birth and then this one story when he was 12 years old, we don't know anything about Jesus before the age of 30. We know nothing. And, and, and think about this for a second. In three short years, Jesus changed the world. <laughs> In just a few short years, Jesus, would anybody agree that Jesus had a really good impact on the planet, right? Like Jesus did some amazing things in three short years. I want you to know it's not because it's not because Jesus was so good in those three short years. I believe that it's because Jesus spent 30 building himself up. Jesus spent 30 years making sure he was ready for the three. And so you and I have to make sure that 100% of our relationship with Jesus doesn't happen in this room. It doesn't happen on this stage. It doesn't happen encountering with people. Like 90% of your walk with the Lord, no one should ever know. No one should ever hear. No one should ever be privileged to those conversations, ever. They need to remain hidden. That's the strength. That's where the strength comes from. It says this in Luke chapter five that Jesus often, there it is, Jesus, so he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. You know, I've really started to try to, to be better at this because as a pastor and somebody who's in ministry, I can find myself like preparing for this and reading my Bible so that I can share something with you from the stage. Or reading my Bible so I can encourage someone or, or post about something. And, and I think some of times, even if you're not a preacher, we find ourselves in this trap of we read something and we say, oh, I need to share this with so-and-so. But remember what Habakkuk said. Habakkuk didn't say, hey, I'm gonna watch to see what you're gonna say to my, my neighbor. No, I'm gonna watch to see what you're gonna say to me. And I think a lot of times we share words that really are meant for you. Like, God didn't give that to you for Joe down the street. If it was for Joe down the street, he would have given it to Joe down the street. He gave that for you because you have an attitude problem and you need to fix yourself. Or he didn't give that to you to post on Facebook or he didn't give that to you for whatever reason. These moments with the Lord are meant for you to strengthen you, to build you up. And the sad thing is today is that a lot of Christians are 100% surface. 
What you see is what you get. The entirety of their relationship with God happens between 10 and 11.45 on a Sunday morning in this room. That's it. If that is 100% of your relationship with God, hear me, I'm not, I'm not trying to beat up on you. You will fail. You will. You will fail. Let's, let's even adjust the ratio a little bit. If this is 50% of your relationship with God, you will fail. You will fail. You and I have to live the way that Jesus lived and say, God, 90% of who you are and who I am in our relationship, I don't want anybody to see it. You know, I've, been, I've started to take this really seriously and I've had conversations with God that no one on this planet will ever hear. I'm taking them to my grave. My wife doesn't even, even know the things that I've prayed about. And, and there's, there's, there's conversations, there's things that God has done in my life that they're mine. You can't have them. You can't have them. And I believe this, when you treat your relationship with God this way and you build up such strength, what you'll find is that, man, just 10% of your walk with the Lord can change the world. Just that 10 that you give to people, because you've built so much strength, just the little bit that you expose to people will change the world. 90% hidden, 10% seen. I want us to evaluate that in our life and just take a step back and say, man, where, does this, where do I fall in this equation? Am I 90% hidden? Oof, that's a lot. We have to get there, church, if you want to get, live an indestructible life. When we live 100% visible, we lack the depth to withstand the attacks of the enemy. There's the equation, 90% hidden, 10% seen. Here's the last thing. You ready for number three? I, I love this one. I'm really excited about this one. Here's the last one, presence. Everyone say presence. presence. Now do me a favor, pull out your phone. Everybody got your phone? These little guys have really been... Re- pretty troublesome for us, huh? These little iPhones and Androids. No, they're awesome. I remember, does anybody remember when you accidentally hit the internet button on your phone and you had to quickly like end it because it, was, it would cost you money? I remember when I would hit that internet button, my mom would be so mad because she said, I have to pay for this. You need to turn that stuff off. Does anybody remember when you had to take phone calls after seven because the minutes were free, Right? Does anybody remember yelling at your friend because they kept texting you and you, they were 10 cents every text message and you were like, call me after seven, quit texting me. That was like, I remember those days. That was just a few short years ago. But these cell phones have evolved like crazy, right? We can right now in this moment talk to every single person on the planet if we wanted to. That's crazy. We live our life in front of millions of people. We have access to each other 24-7. And it's good, but I'll tell you a story. I, man, I, I love cell phones, but I can't stand them because when I'm talking to you, like in person, and you're on your cell phone, oh, that's the worst, right? Is anybody else pet peeve like that? Oh, it's the worst. I was, I was eating with my friend not too long ago, and man, he was just, he was talking about everything and anything for like a long time. And then the moment I said something, he picked up his phone and started doing this. And I was like, excuse me, I'm going to sit here and listen to you blabber on for like 30 minutes, but I can't even get a word of, of your, I can't even get a moment of your full attention, your full presence. And this is what I love about Jesus so much. The son of God, the one who hung the stars in the sky, the creator of the universe, not only loves us, but in every single encounter on, that he had on this planet, he was present with the individual. He was not distracted. Remember, he wasn't hurried. He was not distracted or hurried. He gave that individual 100% 
of his attention. Look at this. I want to show you this story. This blows my mind. In Luke chapter 8, verse 47, we know this story. It's about a woman with an issue of blood. And remember, the Bible says that she touches the hem of his garment and she's healed. Well, before that, the Bible tells us this, that there's a man named Jairus, and he comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, will you heal my daughter? Jesus says, sure, I'll heal your daughter. Let's go. So Jairus is walking Jesus, remember, slowly walking Jesus (laughs) to his house, and Jesus gets interrupted by this woman. And he heals her in this moment. But I, I want to read this. This is so, so incredible. It says, now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, because Jesus says, hey, who did I just heal? Who was that? Who touched me? When she saw that she wasn't hidden, she came trembling and falling down before Jesus, she declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. It says this in, four, in verse 48. And he said to her, daughter, be of good cheer, Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. This is so amazing, right? So if you look throughout the Bible, not not every single circumstance was Jesus able to do this, but in the ones he was able to, he was. He was present before he healed somebody. Like remember the story remember the story where, where the, the, um, the blind man was calling out to Jesus as Jesus was walking down the street and Jesus and the blind man saying, Son of David, Son of David, have mercy on me. And everybody's saying, shut up, that is Jesus. He doesn't have time for you. What did Jesus do? He stopped everything. He went over to that blind man and he was present with him. He said, what do you want me to do for you? What can I do for you? And before Jesus healed his eyes, he made sure that that individual was known, that that individual was seen, that that individual knew that in that moment, they had 100% of of creator God's attention. Could you imagine that? Jesus, God in flesh, you had, that blind man had, 100% of his attention. It's powerful. My grandfather always says this, Dr. Caton, he says, the person standing in front of you is the most important person on the planet at that time. And we have to, we have to start living this way, and, and I want to show you why. So Jesus is, is, remember, I can just play this story out in my head, right? So Jairus is probably power walking to his house. And Jesus is like 50 yards back there, just like at a slow, like, just checking out the trees, just, you know, a leisurely walk. And I can see J. Iris is like, oh my goodness, dude, come on. Like, you know, tapping his foot and everything, trying to get Jesus to hurry. And we know Jesus doesn't get in a hurry. And so J. Iris looks back and he sees Jesus looking for this, this woman and finds this woman and he sees him talking to this woman. And if you can be, put yourself in Jairus' shoes, I would probably be so mad, so annoyed, and be like, Jesus, what are you doing? But Jesus, all he wanted to do, look, look, this is what he said to her. All he said to her was, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. That's all he wanted to say. But what I think was important to Jesus was not so much that she was healed, but that she knew that he, had, that she knew that he gave her all of his attention in that moment. Like he wanted to stop everything and say, hold on, I healed somebody, but I wasn't able to be present with them. That's not right. Peter, somebody touched me. Somebody received healing. I felt healing come out of my body, but it's not enough for me to just walk away. I need to make sure that they know that they're not just healed, but they have my attention. And I think oftentimes what happens is we treat people as a statistic or we treat people as a testimony to share. Oh my goodness, I got to pray for somebody at so-and-so in this place and all this stuff happened and it's great. But we can't treat people as if like they're not the individual that is hurting right there in that moment. Like they're not, so, they're not a cool story to tell your fam- family. 
They're an individual. They're a person. And Jesus treated every single person and gave them 100% of his attention. I believe this. Let me say this. I can't heal anyone. Does anybody in here heal anybody? I have a hard time with, 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 you know, doing things that physically humans can't do for people. And I can pray for people. I can, you know, believe the healing of God would reach them. And I've seen people healed, and that's awesome. But let me tell you something. It wasn't, it wasn't me. I didn't heal them. The Lord healed them. We can't do a lot of things for a lot of people. But what I want to encourage you to do tonight is to do the thing that you can control. What can you control? You can control your attention. You can control your love. You can control how you treat somebody. And this is what I believe, that as we, as we get deeper into this idea of, of being present with people, I believe what we'll see is that after we treat people as individuals, we love them, we're, we're attentive to them, we're gonna see God move in new ways. That after we pay attention to them, they're gonna get healed. After we love them, God's gonna come in and do what he wants to do in their life. But our job is to treat people as people and be present with them. Put the phone away. You know, I was checking out in, the, in one of the grocery lines not too long ago, and I had my AirPods in, and I, there wasn't anything even playing in them. They were just in my ears, and I don't know why I do that often, but they're just like in my ears, and then they start hurting, and I'm like, oh, yeah, these things were in there for like seven hours. Um, but I had them in my ears, and I was checking out, and the lady kind of looked at me weird, and there was nothing playing, but I just took them out because I wanted her to know that she had my full attention in that moment, full attention. Hi, what's your name? Oh my goodness. Because that's the door. That's the door. That's how, that's how the Lord works. That's the thing that we can control. When we connect with people, when we love people, when we, when we do the things that Jesus did with people, that's when the Lord can do what he wants to do with them. It's the way Jesus lived his life. He was present with people. Be present with people. Before Jesus performed miracles, he was present. People were not a number or a statistic. He loved them and then the miraculous happened. Hear this. Every person Jesus ever healed is dead. Every person Jesus ever fed is hung was hungry the next day. We hold, I believe, we hold these miracles out of order, out of, in a, in a, in a wrong priority list. Because we chase the things that we can't do and we ignore the one thing that we can do. The one thing that Jesus did so well is he made people feel like they were valued. And if we can do that, if we can, if we can see this, that man, like you're, you're gonna get healed, you're gonna do all these things, but eventually we're gonna die and that's great and that's fine. But before you die, I can, I can know your name. I can learn your name. I can, I can make you feel like the most important person in the room. And oftentimes, that is where eternity hangs. Because when you make somebody feel like the most important person in the room, they're going to allow you to change their heart. They're going to allow you to share what the Lord's done in your life. But when you come to somebody and just say, oh yeah, I'm just gonna heal you. Healed, okay, see ya. That's silly. That's not a way to live our life. So here's the idea again. Following Jesus means this, living the way. Everyone say the way. The way that he lived. Do me a favor. Let's stand tonight as we close in prayer.
Holy Spirit, would you come in this room and, and fill us up? Would you give us wisdom and revelation in this moment as we recall or look at the life of Jesus? And he's, even as we're reading our word, would you show us not just the truth? Would you show us and reveal to us not just the life, but would we begin to learn the way of Jesus? It's not enough for us just to believe in him and, and to come to church on Sundays, but let our lives look like the life of Jesus. Would you help us in this moment to slow down? Hear the Holy Spirit even right now in this moment. He's bringing things up to your mind that he wants you to say no to. <laughs> Just hear the Holy Spirit saying that. Would you reveal to us the areas, the ways where we need to pull back, where we need to slow down to rest in you? Just as Jesus went away to pray oftentimes, Holy Spirit, would you help us and, and teach us the, the value of living a life unseen and hidden with you? Let not 100% of our relationship with you be here on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night. Man, Jesus, we want so much more. We want so much more with you. Help us to build an indestructible life with you, Jesus. finally, Jesus, would you help us to see that you have given all of us in this room a superpower. You've given us, quite literally, a superpower that can change people's lives. And it's not raising people from the dead, it's not feeding thousands, it's not healing, it's not any of that. It's our attention. Our attention can change people's lives. When we are present with people, when we make people feel like a million bucks, when we love people the way that you love people, Jesus, that there's an opportunity for not just their life now to be changed or better, but for their eternity to be permanent with you, Jesus. Help us to take our eyes off of ourself, take our eyes off of our phone, our distractions, everything that's going on, and be present the way you were present with people. We love you, Jesus. We bless you. In your name I pray. Come on, everybody said, amen, amen. Well, here, as we go tonight, I want to do a couple things. First thing, I want to invite all of our pastors, leaders, altar team, if you're here, if you guys can just come up. And I want to ask you two questions before you leave. The first question is this. If you don't know Jesus, if you've never given your heart to him, if you, maybe you've walked away from him or whatever the case is, you find yourself here tonight distant from the Lord, I want to give you an opportunity to get close to him. As we dismiss, I want to invite you to come up to pray with some of our pastors and leaders up here, and, and they're going to introduce you to Jesus. And, and this is the coolest thing in the world, that, that you're going to quite literally leave this place completely different than how you came in. The Bible says this, that when you come to know Jesus, you are made new. You're a new creation in him. And man, I believe that the Lord is going to wipe away all of the old things of your life and give you a brand new life. 
Here's the second thing I want to ask you. If you're here and you're going through a difficult moment in life, whether you're believing for your healing or something's going on in your family or your finances or relationships, whatever the case is, man, I truly believe this. It's my prayer every single time we gather is that we would leave differently. And I believe this, that the power of the Lord is in this room and you don't have to leave with that stuff. That you can come up here and just drop it off to Jesus. Leave your sickness up here, leave your pain up here, leave your frustration, leave your anxiety. We want to pray with you. We're a family. We don't do life alone. It's not allowed here at CNC. You're not allowed to do it alone. And we want to, we want to carry the burden with you. So we love you all very much. Remember, if you need anything up here, come up here before you leave. Remember, live right, love everyone, pray hard, and we'll see you guys on Sunday.